This is BMO Smarter Investing for September 2023. Join top BMO economists Douglas Porter, Sal Gucieri, and Jennifer Lee for trends and forecasts across the economic landscape so you can make more thoughtful investment decisions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sal Gucieri. Housing affordability affects nearly everyone, from young first-time buyers trying to get a foot on the housing ladder to young families trying to move up to a larger home with a backyard for the kids, to tenants who are facing escalating rents. In this podcast, we delve into the affordability problem in both Canada and the U.S. and discuss some implications for the market and the economy. Let's start with how we got here. Affordability was poor in many big cities before the pandemic, but it got much worse and more pervasive in recent years for several reasons. Generally, low interest rates since the Great Recession became even lower when central banks cut policy rates to effectively zero and held rates down during the pandemic. That pushed many investors to pile into the housing market as they couldn't get decent returns on fixed income securities. As house prices rose, fear of missing out drew in more buyers and gave sellers the upper hand. There were other factors at play than just cheap credit. The ability to work from home sent buyers scurrying to smaller cities, driving prices higher in previously very affordable locations. In Canada, strong rates of immigration and population growth also juiced demand. At the same time, builders couldn't keep up due to global supply disruptions and labor shortages. More recently, a surprising rebound in home prices, notably in the U.S., is only worse in the affordability problem. So how bad is affordability in both countries? Well, for Canada, by one measure, it's the worst since at least 1988, and other measures suggest it's as bad in at least three decades. At current prices, mortgage costs on a median property would consume about 39% of median family income. A similar measure for the U.S. suggests housing is the most expensive since the middle of the 1980s. And of course, affordability is much worse in some major cities. In Greater Toronto, as of July, mortgage payments would gobble up nearly four-fifths of family income at current rates. That's just for the mortgage. You could easily spend another 8% of income on property taxes, heating, condo fees, and other housing costs. And if you need to pass the stress test with a qualifying rate two percentage points above your contract rate, Mortgage service costs would consume about 94% of annual income. It's well above the bar set for federally regulated lenders of 39%, which also includes other housing-related expenses. It's remarkable how much affordability has declined in the greater Toronto region in the past two decades. Buying a home in 2001 consumed a relatively moderate 29% of income, even with interest rates pretty similar to today. The difference is that prices have run nearly three times faster than income since then, spiking the ratio from four times income to 11. Consequently, few buyers can even afford a bungalow. It's also why many are forced into the condo market to get a foot on the housing ladder. But even here, payments on a typical unit would consume nearly half of income in the greater Toronto area. Greater Vancouver is even more expensive than Toronto especially for single-family detached homes. Condos are only modestly costlier than in Toronto, but that's why they are the go-to choice for newcomers to the city. 
The next tranche of unaffordable cities in Canada is found mainly in Ontario and British Columbia. Cities such as Hamilton and St. Catharines, inexpensive prior to the pandemic bubble, now sport mortgage service costs in the low 50% range. However, there are still reasonably affordable locations in Canada, including major cities such as Montreal, Calgary, and Ottawa, where mortgage payments consume just a third of income. Many buyers would still pass the stress test. That's one reason Calgary now has the hottest market in the country, with benchmark prices pushing record highs. And many smaller cities are even less expensive, including Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and St. John's, which all have mortgage service costs in the low 20% range, while Quebec City and Regina are screaming buys at 18%. Home prices are generally less than four times annual family income in these places. So there are still many affordable options in the country. The problem is that a quarter of residents live in the two regions that are well beyond the reach of most buyers. And many other regions in Ontario and BC have become terribly expensive in just the past few years. What are the implications for the market outlook, the housing market outlook? Well, I think it's safe to say we probably won't see a V-shaped recovery for the housing market. Actually, earlier this year, there there were actual actual signs that the market was recovering in a V-shaped pattern. Indeed, you know, that earlier sales upturn, though, this year has already stalled in both countries. Resale transactions have fallen for the second straight month in August here in Canada. The recent softness in pricing on Ontario and British Columbia has overshadowed ongoing gains in less expensive Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Quebec. The same story applies to the U.S. market, as an earlier upturn in resale activity has sputtered, with sales about 18% below year-ago levels to July. However, home prices are not expected to decline much further, as long as we see a soft economic landing with only modest increases in jobless rates. Most regions have pretty balanced market conditions at the moment, which should keep prices fairly steady in coming months. That said, any full-scale recovery in the housing market will be delayed almost certainly till next year when interest rates are expected to decline as the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve ease off the break beginning in the second quarter of next year. In fact, it will take both much lower interest rates and a period of basically stalling home prices to improve affordability. That could take years to see a meaningful improvement. What are the implications for the economy? Well, housing simply won't be driving the economic expansion. It hasn't for the past year, and it it almost certainly won't uh, for at least the next six months or so. Yes, in Canada, we do need to build a lot more houses to accommodate record immigration and the fastest population growth in seven decades. But builders are already running fast and will be limited by ongoing shortages of skilled construction workers. Government policies to speed up and reduce the cost of construction will help, however. Now, the good news is that the lack of a further correction in the housing market, we believe, probably means the housing market won't uh, contribute to a harder landing for the economy. It's, It's unlikely to drive the economy much weaker. That said, we do end up with further increases in interest rates for central banks to tame inflation, the risk of a deeper housing correction and a harder economic landing would increase. Finally, what does all this mean for investors in the housing market? Well, with cap rates 
pretty elevated. The math mostly doesn't work for investors in the high-priced regions, such as in Ontario and British Columbia. Moreover, there are now other risk-free and hassle-free higher-yielding options in the fixed-income market that uh, will vie for investors' attention. Now, this doesn't apply to the still less expensive regions, say in the Prairie Provinces, where investors may still be able to generate fairly decent positive returns. Once interest rates start falling, likely in the back half of next year, and assuming home prices don't run away again, housing could become a more attractive investment, once again, given the, the strong rental market. With rents likely to outrun inflation for the foreseeable future, given ongoing shortages of housing units. So to wrap up, hopefully this discussion will help you to make the right decision, whether you simply need a home to live in or seeking an investment opportunity. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bmo.com slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.